My name is Sophia, and welcome to my first ever episode for my podcast, What's the Correlation? Now, my podcast is for my personal project. I'll be interviewing people and talking to them about social justice issues and mental health issues. I have always been interested in mental health, so much so that I'm hoping to become a psychotherapist in the future. But recently, I've become passionate about social justice. The Black Lives Matter protests in the United States of America this past year is what made me realize how important this topic is. Not just racism, but also homophobia, xenophobia, transphobia, and sexism. These issues are still very prominent in everyday life, and I wanted to create a space where I can talk about them. More specifically, how these issues correlate with mental health issues. On this podcast of What's the Correlation, I am conducting an interview with Brenda Vachs, psychotherapist and psychoanalyst. We talk about mental health issues and how they relate to social justice issues, and we even dive into some young theory. I hope you enjoy. So, the first interview is with Brenda Vachs. Brenda, do you want to introduce yourself? Thank you, Sophia. Um, so my name is Brenda Wax. I'm a psychotherapist and psychoanalyst at the C.G. Jung Ambulatorium in Zurich. Okay, so Brenda, do you believe that mental health issues have a correlation with social justice issues? Um, generally speaking, yes, I could see a connection. Um, for example, if we're talking about criminology and um, the justice system around criminology, um, it's a question whether you're dealing with someone with mental health issues or whether they have all their faculties about them. And this comes up a lot in forensic psychology when you have to consult with a psychologist to see the state of mind, the state of sanity of the um, defendant. Okay. Um, and would you say that mental health issues could impact how someone feels about something such as racism or homophobia or their views on such issues? Um, it's an interesting question, Sophia. So you're making them the link, in fact, between, let's say, in general, the fields of psychology and sociology. Yeah. Um, or you could say sociology and political science or local politics or law. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's a really interesting question if you take it in, from a Jungian perspective, because as you may know, Jung felt that we had not only our individual conscious and unconscious mind, but that there was also a collective unconscious or some kind of um, unconscious that we shared with all of humanity, some core values and, and perspective that we share with all of humanity. So if you look at it in that way, there there is kind of a link between psychology and social issues. Mm -hmm. And would you say that someone who experiences homophobia, racism, sexism, would their mental health be more impacted by such things? I mean, going back again to this model of the individual psyche versus the collective psyche, um, I think it's your question is very relevant because 
the personal is always political and the political is always personal. So whatever's going on in your individual psychology, it is impacted by the external environment. And the external environment, examples of the external environment can be the social ills that you point to, such as issues of racism or sexism or homophobia. That's really interesting. Um, have you seen such issues being presented in people that you have talked to? I mean, addiction is a really good model for this discussion, or it's a, it's a good example for this discussion because um, most addictions have an underlying trauma, but this trauma isn't necessarily only um, a question of abuse or neglect in childhood or abandonment in childhood. Sometimes the trauma is a collective trauma. Sometimes you are, one is impacted by not fitting in or feeling this sense of otherness in society. And so they lean on substances such as food or alcohol or drugs to self-medicate the pain, not only from their individual psychological experience, but also what they're experiencing in their external environment in society. So we have heard a lot in media about the idea of generational trauma such as racism and slavery impacting young black people today. Do you think that idea is real and there is a good connection there? Well, if you look at the um, level of incarceration of black males in uh, America, for example, um, which is so disproportionately high, I mean, you can conclude that a, a certain amount of that is that there are psychological factors. I mean, there are always psychological factors when it comes to so-called criminality, but how often are those actually criminals and how often are they the subject of racism mm -hmm. and prejudice and bigotry? So, um, yeah. Again, just repeating the question, how, do you think generational trauma such as racism and slavery so, yeah. has impacted black people? Yeah, history? so something like um, a history of slavery, it, it permeates generations of, of, of um, I mean, it's uh, generations of black Americans. Let's just take the case of Americans because I know it the best. Um, and yes, it's 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 always there. I mean, it's in it's in our collective psyche. It's in every American's collective psyche whether they're, they're uh, people of color or not, it's, it's, it's there, the history is there, and it's something that's carried through the generations, so the impact is, is, can be great. Um, and we're hearing about, right now in Poland, there, the abortion laws being a lot stricter for women. Do you think that has been impacting, if you probably haven't talked about like, Polish women recently, but do you think I'm actually that, living with one. Oh, okay. So would you think that impacts uh, women in that life and their social and their mental health? Um, well, the abortion question is really interesting in terms of mental health because, mm -hmm. again, there's the individual perspective. You find yourself pregnant without options um, in a society that doesn't lend itself to a lot of choice over um, over your body, and um, and it's also a political. So, so it's an individual question, but it's also a question of the political environment, thus the collective. So there could be um, mental illness mental health implications of both 
you know, people that are involved in the manifestation and demonstrations and how that is impacting them individually um, and also um, collectively. Okay, um, moving on from these very important issues, uh, I have seen friends experiencing homophobia and therefore feeling a lot more depressed. Would you say that because of homophobia, one of many social justice issues, would there be something that can spark having that mental health and illness, or not even just spark, but just um, give a person something, or would there have to be some sort of genetical uh, mental health issue for well, it to happen? Thank you, Sophia. That was a, it's a really interesting question. I mean, um, we usually try to take a biopsychosocial approach to um, to mental health and illness, to mental well being, meaning there's a biological part, which is whether you have a actual organic predisposition to something. Um, there's the psychological part, how your brain functions. We all have really different brains. So how you're made psychologically, also how you grew up, how you developed. And then there's the sociological part. So if you take, again, the question of something like addiction, um, there's, you know, the biological propensity towards addiction because maybe you inherited it from previous generations. There's also the psychological part, what kind of traumas you experience, and there's the, the sociological part, the company you keep, they say in AA or the environment. So if you look at a question like homophobia, um, you know, this any kind of experience of otherness or being the other or estranged or an outcast or somehow outside the norm or somebody living um, a life of that is unconventional in any way that produces some prejudice or bigotry. Um, it could very well have an impact on how the person perceives themselves and how they perceive themselves in society. So that would be the sociological part. Yeah. Um, and would you say someone who has been hearing negative things about, again, let's take an example of homosexuals and having hearing negative things from parents, friends, teachers about homosexuals and then the person themselves being a homosexual, do you think that would negatively impact their mental health? It could do, but not necessarily. And I'd just like to correct one thing that I said earlier. Uh, using this term unconventional and unconventional approach to relationship, I mean, that's just not really appropriate anymore because the world has really changed in the last 20 years. And, you know, the, there's all kinds of ways of loving. There's all kinds of ways of relating. As we know, love is love. And there's been so much validation for that all over the world, in many places, not all. Um, so, um, so there's, there very well are plenty of people who are, um, living, uh, what could in prior generations be called unconventional relationships who accept themselves, fully accept mm -hmm. themselves, their way of loving, and they don't really have any problem with it. And there are others, for example, one of my patients from an extremely religious family who's came out to her family is completely rejected and ostracized. So that has to have a bearing on her sense of self and her well-being. Yeah, thank you for correcting that. Um, yeah, so continuing on with the 
homosexual um, thoughts, would you think that someone who is surrounded by other homosexuals or themselves being homosexual and just having that kind of support having and that person having mental illness, would do you think that positive surrounding and people who are like-minded like them, would you think that would build them up? I don't know. I don't really think um, gay LGTB people necessarily need other LGTB people to feel support. I mean, they can also yes. have sufficient support from friends and loved ones that are straight. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if it's really relevant, but of course it's always interesting to associate with like-minded, you know, like-minded souls, but not necessarily. Okay, moving on from this topic. Do you think social justice issues such as racism, homophobia, sexism, sexism could affect a business and a CEO or just anything like that and affect their income, their the people inside of the business? Like if the business is owned, for example, by a person of color and um, the, the, the company experiencing racism from outsiders not wanting to buy the product or trashing stores or things like that, do you think that would impact the person and their mental health? You mean the employees? Yes, and also the management. Managers, yes. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, if you're asking, um, do minority-owned uh, minority-owned companies? Um, more susceptible to social pressures or to issues of mental health? I don't. I don't necessarily think so. I mean, you know, mental health and illnesses are topic relevant to everybody. I mean, it doesn't discriminate. Let's put it that way. I completely agree with that idea. Um, another question that I had for you was: um, Do do you, as a psychotherapist and so on, all the things that you are, do you think that um, mental health and social justice could go hand in hand in someone's psyche? I think I just bring you back to this notion um, that Carl Jung had of the collective unconscious, not to beat a dead horse, but it's really quite interesting because mm -hmm. it, it, it really does underline the interface between the individual psyche and the collective the collective psyche, the part that we share with all of humanity, that there are some common values or some common perspectives, um, even if they come up in our, our dream material or other unconscious material from our imagination, there is some part of us that links us with all humanity. And um, in, in that sense, um, you can make the link between sociological sociological environments, sociological issues, social justice issues, and mental health and illness. Okay, would you mind going deeper into the idea of um, one's unconscious and the unconscious of a group of people or even the world as a whole? Well, um, you know, Jung traveled to Kenya in 1925. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this was when there was not so much travel there. I think he took a ship, he couldn't fly then. And um, he saw um, a warrior leaning against a stick out in the sunset against the sky. And he had this strong, strong feeling that it was him. So when he said it was him, he didn't really mean 
it was him in another life or he was you know, reincarnated as a Maasai warrior or something like that. It meant that he had a sense of something he shared with this man that he had never met, that he had never known, that there was some deeper layer of connectedness back to primitive man, back to original man that he shared and maybe understood something of. And that, that's a good example of the collective unconscious, that there's something that we, that we share, despite difference in language and cultures and economic development, that there's some kind of basic ethos that we share. That's extremely interesting. I wish we could go deeper into that, but I have more questions to get to. One of the questions I had is, do you think someone uh, who is friends with someone who is experiencing a lot of social justice or even just mental health issues in their life, could a person who's trying to support that friend start feeling their own worry, the worries, the, the person's worries in themselves? You mean, do we, through our empathy, do we absorb the, the, the pain and the suffering of others? That was very low wording, yes, that's what I meant. I mean, I think that's evident. Um, and, um, you know, in this business, we learn how to manage that so that it doesn't crush us, um, but not always with great success. And we do absorb the, the suffering and pains of our patients and their emotions and especially we absorb them in our body. So it's quite interesting for psychotherapists to take very good, it's quite important for psychotherapists to really um, emphasize their own self-care, their own body, mind, well-being, so that they can serve best their clientele by being well themselves and not becoming um, too pained or um, ha handicapped or, yeah, by, by having, absorb too much of the stories and lives and, and cares and concerns of our patients. Okay, well, I think that's about all the time we have. Thank you so much for coming to this interview and talking and giving your thoughts and opinions and even telling us about Jungian's theories and all that. Thank you, Sophia. Those were really very clever, well-thought-out questions, and I wish you the best for your project. Thank you so much.